Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the moderately professional Nick Protopapis. How are you today, Nick? Um, pretty good, although I think moderately is sort of overstating it. <laughs> I was I was trying to compliment you. All right, all right, fair. I can. You know, uh... I would. I would term this whole operation as moderately professional. I'm sort of the uh, wrinkly, uh, semi-casual at the at the formal you know party that's me mm-hmm. are you there on like an unironed like oh unironed Hawaiian shirt. shirt yeah it's like wrinkly because i haven't worn it in like a long time and like mm-hmm. i wore the blue one so it wouldn't look as wrinkly as the white one you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? that's me i know what you're talking about yeah i guess the pants are black but like that doesn't really mean they're formal you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah I-, I know that feel yeah, I know that I feel well. Are not formal shoes. <laughs> They're just pretending to be. They're just hiding. Their only goal is to is, to, is to hoping that people don't look down and realize that your shoes are not formal. They're just like a glance. <laughs> black. Don't look at me. That's it. I once uh, I once bought a pair of shoes that were like vaguely professional. They were like halfway between like professional shoes and sneakers. And I just started wearing them as sneakers until they became worn down enough that, like, they were just sneakers. Damn. That's like, exactly <laughs> where you want shoes. Like, if you want to have as few <laughs> shoe pairs as possible, you want them, like, all black, like, pretty much sneakers, but you can pass as, as dress shoes. Mm-hmm. That's, like, shoe equilibrium. That's perfect shoe. Right, right, right. Hey, you know shoes where, like, you can, like, strap them instead of tying them? Uh, like Like Velcro? Yeah, if only those were acceptable, life would be so much better. Yeah, right? I I agree. Yeah, why why did we outlaw those? Who says that like laces are stupid? Like I I understand. We have a better system. Why why knowing how to tie something is a valuable life skill? Like you know, today I went outside and I I I used a bandana to cover my face, uh, and I I did know how to tie that because I learned how to tie my shoes when I was in third grade, um, but also. You know, it's easier to use Velcro shoes. Yeah. And Velcro is cool. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's not true. Wait a moment. What'd you just say? I was in the mood for agreeing with you. But Velcro is not cool. Who said that? (laughs) I think it's kind of cool. All right, then wear Velcro shoes, you nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't because I'm a, I'm an adult. You're going to get, dude. Who, who does adult things. Um. And I would get beat up. Yeah. Yeah, but if there's anyone out there listening to this who does wear Velcro shoes or does want to wear Velcro shoes, uh, I see you, and you're valid, um, and I support you. Uh, And I just wanted to say that uh, from the bottom of my heart. It's nice, Joe. It's nice. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I guess I agree with you. It's just that like the person who does wear Velcro shoes, I'm not sure I like that person exactly. I don't know. I mean, we don't know them. That's true. That's true. I'm making assumptions. Or we could know them. There could yeah. be some Velcro shoe wearers so that we just like haven't you they, know, familiarized. They wear a block and like hope that it's nighttime so that no one looks down at their shoes. Yeah. I mean, look, how often do you look at like your friend's shoes? There's some people, certain types of people who will immediately notice your shoes. It's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Those are the worst kind of people. 
Oh, you think? I don't know. I'm just trying to get away what if from you're wearing, like, great shoes? a formal party and you're looking at my shoes. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But if you're wearing, like, great shoes and you want people to appreciate them, I, I don't think it's a, a flaw for someone to notice your shoes. I just, I, I don't know. I don't, this thing with the flashy shoes, I don't get it. Like, the shoes are, like, my feet are an afterthought to the rest of me. <laughs> they should be, you know, implied is fine. Like, if they were only implied, I would be fine with that. I don't ever have to, like, look at my feet again. I don't want to. Like, it's the worst part of me, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, like tricking out your shoes, it just seems silly to me. But I get it. Yeah. Teach their own. Yeah. Um. Shall we? Uh, we shall. Okay, I'll go first. I guess. I like that we've gotten into this sort of routine where it's better if I go first. I'm sort of more comfortable. <laughs> going When's the last time you went first? You think? Uh. uh probably a few episodes ago. No, I, I feel like I might have gone first last episode. No way. Impossible. I always go first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to be talking about a movie, pretty famous movie. came out in um, 2014. I think it was really popular when it came out, although I don't remember. And uh, it's called Ex Machina, which we just looked up because I realized I didn't know why it was called that. And uh, I guess <laughs> it's like Latin for machine or something. I don't really know. <laughs> we figured that one out. But uh, yeah. I uh, I remember it from uh, the advertisements. I think that's the least I've ever thought about, like the title of a movie. Like I watched a whole <laughs> movie, like had opinions about it for like a couple days, maybe longer, maybe like a week, and I was like ready to talk about it on the show. And I was like, wait a minute, why is it called that? Because I just it was I don't know, I don't know what's up with that. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, by, uh, it's written and directed by Alex Garland, which actually we've talked about on this show before because we have. Well, I have because I read that book, The Beach. And it's the same guy. Weird, right? Oh, huh? Huh? Yeah. It's always weird when, hmm. like, like an author becomes, a, like, I didn't know you made movies, man. This is weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he made that jump, but I guess he directed his movie, the, the movie based on his book or wrote it or something. You know, The Beach, that's the book I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo DiCaprio. Um, yeah. L. L. Deeps. And uh, I guess that's how he made the jump, maybe? That's an assumption. I don't really know. But uh, it's cool. I found this out after. But uh, yeah, it's a very good movie. It's pretty nice. easy, easy to break down. Here we go. Uh, some some loser, some loser working at a tech, tech company is, wins a competition to go to a very rich man's house that is remote and fancy. He flies there. <laughs> uh, he's it's sort of a secret project. But like uh, loser Trump boy, I need to name them. Hold on, I forgot their names. Uh, what would you <laughs> name loser Trump boy if you were writing this movie? Clement. All right, so Clement, you know he's over. And what would you name? Whoa, 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 whoa! Tell me the actual names of these characters. Well, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, what would you name the rich guy who's like makes you a little uneasy? he lives in isolation and is weird going to the imdb page don't just tell me what you would name him so i can continue this discussion is uh is the rich guy uh caleb or is it nathan Mm, that's a good question (laughs) those are definitely the two names of those two characters (laughs) (laughs) one of them is nathan one of them is caleb i think he's played by oscar isaac i think that oscar isaac 
Is that the guy from Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> right. Oscar Isaac, the guy from Star Wars, is the is the rich guy. Okay. That's Nathan. All right. He's Nathan. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, Clement. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot again. His name's Caleb. Right. That's very close, actually. <laughs> Uh, Caleb, you know, he's coming in, he's got to sign some, you know, it's very secretive at first, but when you get down to it, um, Nathan has, has made a very intelligent AI with a hot body and he wants, um, Caleb, is that right? Yes. <laughs> he wants Caleb to do a, you know, test to see if he can tell it's, you know, human. Well, cause that's the, uh, Turing test, which is a real test, right? Turing test right. until uh, you're talking yeah. to a computer. He's going in for this test, and we meet the uh, robot, and uh, it's a it's a hot lady named Ava, except she's a mm. robot. But it's fine because you can't tell. Honestly, she's just like a weird person, but like you can tell that this is way beyond anything, you know, real. This is like clearly the cutting edge uh, because she's basically a person. Um, and as they're sort of, he goes in for you know, um, what's his name? Caleb goes in for sessions. And then he comes out and talks to um, Nathan about them. And they sort of split up the movie into these, you know, session one, session two, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happens is that you, you know, you basically start to get to know Ava and you realize that, you know, Nathan is always watching them, even in their meetings. Uh, and that sort of escalates the tension. You realize that Ava's sort of imprisoned. Um, you know, the questions posed there in the movie are like, you know, is it right to keep this person in a, in a, in a cage? Because, you know, is she a person? Things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, you know, a couple of twists and turns, but it's, it's a very, you know, simple premise. And it's, you know, it's one of those movies where there's like only three characters or there's four, I guess, but, you know, very few characters. Um, and sort of the tension rises because you're not sure exactly who to trust. Um, you, you know, things like that, right? Um <laughs> And so what this movie does really, really well is like get the characters across and raise the tension. This movie has some great friggin' tension. It's like, I, I just, like, I don't know what's going on half the time. Like I do, but like, I don't know who to trust. There's these power outages and Ava claims to be the one to, you know, do them. But it's like, oh, is it all a trick? So Nathan sees how they behave when they're not being watched, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, just like how much does Nathan know? Like, you know, is Ava like pretending to be in love with uh, Caleb? Because there's sort of that aspect going. That's why she has to be hot. That's why it's important. Earlier I told Joe that Ava having a very, which is a word did you use? I think it is very goofy of this movie uh, to give this robot. <laughs> a very defined ass. That's what you said. A very defined ass. <laughs> it's on the movie poster. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Joe's concerned about the defined ass, but I'm telling him it's a very important plot point. Um, which is true. It's true. Um, sure. Yeah. And then, sort of, as you go on, there's like, it's basically rising tension. What's going to happen? Is he going to help her escape? Is she really in love with him? Is this right? What's right? Blah, 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 blah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's super fun. It's a great movie, super engaging. Um, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone because it's just one of those movies. We're like nice. Anyone can jump in. Uh, yeah, it's, um, huh? it's one that I remember hearing about when it came out. Yeah, um, it's cool. so I, I would be interested in like checking out. Yeah, it's it's got good. It's 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 just very engaging. That's what I'll give it. Uh, a couple mm -hmm. things I didn't like, just throw them out there. 
weird screeching sounds in this movie sometimes and plays the music. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's supposed to be like cool. Is this too much? Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. It might have been the speakers or something, but you know, mm-hmm. talking about like you know, like horror movies and stuff. Sometimes they have like sounds instead of music. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. But this was no, really I, I think uh, it was no good. Yeah, I might also direct you to like the 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 Prowler sound in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. If well, you no, that's a good sound. I yeah. remember that sound, which is props to that movie because i can actually i can yeah. like really remember that sound i mean that movie's like soundscape and score is just incredible but yeah. you know uh another topic yeah <laughs> anyways it's a bad sound uh and the other thing i don't like sort of has to do with the ending um which i don't want to spoil you know mm-hmm. but so actually i can't complain i guess i think the ending's dumb but that's all i'll say about that <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah cool yeah it's a good movie man you should watch nice it. Uh, so my thing for this week, uh, is Breaking Bad, which is a show and or universe that we've talked about before on this, uh, podcast, uh, wow. several times, several times. Cool. Several times. Cause I, I, I think we've both recommended each other better call Saul on, uh, separate instances. All right, that's really um, and you've definitely talked about El Camino, which is the sequel movie right. uh, to Breaking Bad. Um, so, you know, consider this more a check-in than a recommendation, because you've already seen it, obviously. Um, I've finally taken the full plunge uh, after experimenting a little last summer with uh, Better Call Saul. I ended up stopping around episode four. Uh, because Our, I wanted to... Joe's been experimenting with Breaking Bad. <laughs> We're very concerned. <laughs> oh, honey, it's just a phase. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Topical. Um because this show's about drugs. Um, Don't call me topical. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I decided to stop with that show uh, and uh, sort of start from the not chronological, but but uh, sort of series order uh, because this show came out before Better Call Saul. Um, so I'm currently in the middle of season two and I'm really loving it. Um, if you hadn't heard, this show is about uh, Walter White, who is a chemistry teacher at a local high school, uh, who is struggling with money, uh, finds out that he has cancer, um, and decides that uh, he needs to team up with a local low-level dr- drug dealer named oh, Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> Walter White, what? yeah, lives in Albuquerque, but teaches at a high school in Wisconsin. <laughs> What? Nothing. <laughs> of course he teaches at the local. He's local. He lives there. <laughs> we also haven't said where it is. <laughs> local Walter White lives in... <laughs> this show is set in New Mexico. <laughs> True. Local drug dealer, um, Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> Uh, so he teams up with Jesse Pinkman in order to uh, sell crystal meth uh, and Look make a man. bunch of money. Uh, the show follows the the problems that ensue, uh, as there are many. Um, and so one of the main things that I love about the show is it starts from this uh, you know very intricate premise uh, that it establishes very concretely, um, and then all the conflicts arise from the characters making decisions within that world or from material demand. Uh, so the creators have built this show where 
the audience is not only monitoring like the well-being of the characters, but is also invested in like how much money they have or when they'll run out of materials to cook meth um, or if business takes a hit. Um, so it's like really compelling right? stuff. That's what they always mm-hmm. need, methylamine. Is that the thing you're trying to yeah. Nice. Uh, I remember. <laughs> I don't know what it is, of course, but. <laughs> it's like uh, they keep it in a jug. Oh, jug methylamine. <laughs> local methylamine. Wait, is it me- yeah. actually probably not local, right? <laughs> or methylamine. <laughs> um, I don't remember where they get it from. Um, I think it's from, you know, a, a lab. Local lab? Uh, probably. <laughs> nice. Uh, so. You know, we we get insights into both of the primary characters' families, um, especially Walt's family. Uh, his his brother in law is a cop, so he's sort of tailing them a lot, or sort of just behind them. Uh, so far, he hasn't discovered anything uh, concrete. I'm in the middle of season two, I think I mentioned, um, but uh, you know, his sort of side escapades are interesting to see. Uh, there's a lot of great like dramatic irony uh, they play up there. One of the main things in the show is you have this ongoing inversal of like the moral standings of, of Jesse and Walt, uh, where Walt very quickly becomes a murderer. Um, and Jesse just seems to be like getting, you know, while he's still a meth dealer uh, where I am in the show, he seems to be like very quickly becoming a better person than Walt. Um, he's always given the, the more sympathetic plot lines. Uh, you know, he's always like, helping out kids or like talking to his brother um, or just like trying to be a good person in the world outside of, of the meth business uh, where Walt is like always the one put in uh, these very difficult situations where he has to be a bad person. Uh, you know, if, if I have any complaints, I think they sort of uh, flip the switch on, on Walt being pretty much uh, just a complete bastard uh, way too early on. Uh, given that this show lasts for another th- three seasons. I mean, I, I, I genuinely don't know, uh, but it kind of seems like they might have, uh, given that, you know, he, he's basically committed murder by the first episode. Uh, yeah, Joe, don't you worry about the uh, oncoming quality of Breaking Bad. Everything will be okay. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Joe, I'm, I'm, guys, uh, I'm just interested by, by how quickly they've made this turn. I was just talking to someone else who also is in season two um, mm-hmm. and really enjoying it. And I was like, man, you are but a young, young child. You have no idea. Because season <laughs> one and two usually are like the slow ones. And then mm-hmm. like, once you get to season three, it's just like a, a fever dream because you watch you know, it all in one day and then you forget everything because it's so, so good. Joe, soon it's going to be so, so good you're not going to be able to stop watching. Uh, yeah, so I, I I haven't watched an episode today, and I'm really not sure how I've managed that because I've been going at a pretty steady pace of like two a day. Joe, you will soon lose self control. That's what happens to everyone. <laughs> uh, and I'm excited for you. It's going to be a great time. Um, yeah, I'm excited for me. There's also just so much of it. Like th- this, on top of uh, the movie, on top of Better Call Saul. Uh, that's a lot of stuff that I'm excited to consume. Yeah, it's going to be great. Soon yeah. you will you will you will join me in being caught up. It'll... So, uh, shall we move on to the main event? Sure. Okay. So today we are talking about the Nameless City, a comic by Faith Aaron Hicks. It's the first in a trilogy. Um, 
it is about a city uh <laughs> that is nameless um don't have a name yeah or actually it has many names which is pretty much the first thing we learn um it's just that no one can agree on a name um because the city has been taken over and colonized and become part of various empires so many times uh that it's home to many many different people uh and so we follow a young boy uh named kaidu um who is the son of a general um in the in the sort of tribe country uh that has like currently taken over uh the nameless city um called the Dao. um and we follow him as he sort of explores the city and becomes friends uh with this uh this girl uh who's named rat uh and she was born in the city um and is thus of a lo- much lower social standing what were your sort of first impressions of this one uh well I had gone through this book many, many times because I like the layouts and it's sort of around in libraries and comic book shops. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really dig the layouts and art uh, and the colors, definitely, 100%. Um, so I didn't really, yeah. I mean, I, I had a general understanding because I, you know, once you start flipping, you read a scene or two. So I, I sort of like a scene or two here and there. Um, so I, I guess I, and also, I mean, the expressions and cartooning are really good in this book. So I, I think I had somewhat of an understanding about the roles of each character, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really need too much. Like honestly, you read like a page of this book, you get a pretty good understanding of the characters and how how they are. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was good for me to finally put all those pieces together and like read it in one instance. Um, and I definitely enjoyed it way more. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, I, I thought it was really good, but my expectations were about there. So mm-hmm. I had, yeah, yeah. I uh, I really like how this book handles world building. Um, there's like such a rich like tapestry of places and peoples and you really get this feeling of, of catching a glimpse into another world. Um, it's really cool and very intentional. I, I like how it's constructed in such a way as to support um, and encourage like repeat readings uh, because you'd catch more detail about the world itself. Like you're kind of dropped in to some extent in medias res Um really like there is exposition um but it's in a way that for a kid's book is like uh kind of catches you off guard um because i feel like a lot of concepts are are sort of more uh implied than they are directly explained um, yeah. which i think is pretty cool i guess i agree with that that makes sense yeah i like the like, way we, do, we don't know the full history of this world like we're, we're we get enough to understand uh yeah, I think that's especially true in, like, the different people that live in the city, which I think is a big part of this book, sort of, like, the difference mm-hmm. between the Tao elite that are sort of ruling and the, the actual people that live in the city. Um, yeah. I think that, for one thing, is not, like, explained, like, ever, really. It's just sort of shown, uh, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And in the two main characters, obviously. Like, you got Rat. Is her name Rat? <laughs> yeah, her name is Rat, which is... A little weird because I feel uncomfortable calling a person that. I guess. But she, but she self-identifies by it. Yeah. So hey, is the little girl in Aliens also named Rat. I've never seen Aliens. Plural. Aliens. Plural. Alien. Right. Plural. The sequel to Alien. Yeah. <laughs> I understand what you're talking about. I just have not seen that movie. That's fine. I think her name's Rat. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I believe you. Uh... <laughs> and now a list of people ever called Rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
I think, uh, you know, Hicks's character designs uh, are just so appealing. Um, they're they're instantly identifiable. They're expressive. Um, it's really top notch stuff. I, I was familiar with her work from um, the Free Comic Book Day Avatar uh, thing that she put out uh, probably about five years ago now. Um, but there's just like another level, and it's a lot more cohesive than I think thought out. Not to say that that wasn't, but it was shorter. Um, and so obviously you have less room to build like a visual style. Right. Um, like she's just a really excellent cartoonist. You feel every emotion and in, in movement. Um, she's also something I, I'm fond of in, in comics and just fiction in general. She's really great at establishing iconic moments that stick in your head. Um, in this one in part, because it's a, a big uh, setup for a, a payoff that comes later. Um but uh, the the scene where or the scenes where where Kaido and Rat are running across the rooftops um, is just really sticks in your brain, uh, which I think is so cool. It's also on the cover, uh, so that might have something to do with it. But it's like a, a talent for establishing moments uh, that I think you know someone like Jeff Smith also has, uh, at least in like what he does with Bone, uh, which is what I'm most familiar with. Um, Otherwise, you know, I, I really love the way that she draws, like, scuff on buildings and material. Uh, that's really cool. It gives a lot more character to this world. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, while we're on the art, I think that she's really good at establishing space. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm working on something right now. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she always does a really good job. I also really dig the layouts and how they're always cutting the pit. Like, they always cut the margin off. It, mm-hmm, a bleed yeah really really good um and i've never seen so much of it and it's not too much it's never too much yeah and by establishing like sort of that consistency she's able to do it more it just makes everything feel more actiony and i think mm-hmm. people should do it more and it's really yeah. great i think it's really effective really really effective something i'm noticing is i'm flipping through it there, there's there's backgrounds in like almost every panel on a lot of these pages. Yeah, and then she does a lot of which is just really impressive. Close-ups of like the character's expression, like it's just really good work. And this is hard to describe on a on a podcast, obviously, but like yeah. if you ever see this book, literally just flip through it. That's what I used to do, and it's it's some of the best layouts I've ever seen ever. And they're not yeah. like like you see a lot of good layouts for like more artful books, but like this is a very story-driven book, um, mm-hmm. and I really really respect and like these layouts yeah that's what you're gonna hear me most excited about ever in life on this <laughs> podcast is these yeah. layouts it's fucking layouts are so good these are it's it's just beautiful and I, I i honestly i can't wait till we get to um do the the next two books in the series because i'm yeah, so wait. excited to see where this impressive. goes because because hmm? she writes the new avatar books um but the layouts in those books suck so I, maybe she's not in charge of them, though, because she's not the artist. I'm not sure. Hmm. I, I don't entirely agree that they suck. They suck. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far at all. I think really I think for for like a comic book layout to actually to like actively suck, like you would it would like be difficult to read. I think the, the avatar uh, layouts and imbalanced are, are effective. Um, you know, they're just not as interesting um and as dynamic as the stuff we have here that's fair in comparison though there's some of my least favorite layouts Mm -hmm. this is my favorite so if she's responsible that would be wild but i really like these 
I'm sure that yeah. the Max Center series really are great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, should we talk about the story a bit, or what do you think? Uh, yeah, let's. Um, so as I mentioned before, we have this setup where uh, the the Dao is kind of this this um, sort of empire, at least a country that is imposing rule upon the nameless city. Um, and basically, the city has been constantly fought over between these these uh, three nations. Um, that uh, the other two of which are only like sort of mentioned in passing uh, and sort of contextualize the book. Uh, they don't appear directly. Um, but uh, it's a city that has, you know, constantly been conquered and has never really been given the right to self-determination. And because of that, you sort of get the sense that a lot of its residents are like pretty poor, um, or at least um, the the monks we meet and, and rat are. Um, Named. Yeah. That's what they call the, the people who actually live in the yes, city. Yes, yeah. Uh, the, the, the people, people who live in the city are called the named. The named. It's um, really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to, to, you know, think about how Hicks, like, incorporates the actual idea of names as, like, a symbol of power into this book. Um, because there's a line where um, when Rat and, and Kaidu have first met, yeah, she gives him her name. And he tries to offer her his um, but she doesn't accept it. She says, I don't want to know any Dao's name. Um, and so I think that's interesting because I think it's like positioning names as like a tool for identification, but they're also like instructional um, or, and they incentivize empathy. Um, so I think maybe the idea there, uh, as we get to later, is that the idea of naming something makes it more personal. Um yeah, I agree with that. You know, I I think I don't know. I I think some of the stuff uh where where Rat kind of talks about uh her hatred of of the Dao is, you know, not the weaker stuff in the book, but I think it is a little more cliché um in some of these scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, like I I think there are this book is like often so good at representing how like imperial power structures work and it's often just very sharp about it uh but i think the scenes where oh well she's resistant to humanizing uh the the people in power um are just a little too on the nose and it feels like something we've seen before um in a way that i'm just not as impressed by as with the rest of the book it's it doesn't ruin the experience for me at all um especially since the rest of the commentary I think is so sharp, um, but it is something that stands out. Yeah. Um, I mean, my impressions of the story overall are it's, it's pretty basic. I, I wasn't particularly interested in the plot as much as the characters. I mean, basically what we got here is, you know, city boy, no city girl, poor girl, rich guy. Right. And he sneaks off to spend time with her and they make friends, even though, you know, they shouldn't be, I guess. And the rich guy's dad doesn't let him out. You know, it's like that. You've seen it a million times. It's actually it's actually a lot like Secret of Kells. Um, when I started thinking... Oh, I, I, I completely disagree. <laughs> what do you mean you disagree? It's insane. I mean, I don't think that, that um, Andrin, uh, who is Kaidu's dad in this, I don't think that he's, like, nearly as explicitly, like, oppressive as um, the dad in Secret of Kells is. And also, I think the, the characters and world are, are so much more 
fleshed out and intricate and and interesting in this than they are in Secret of Kells. Sure, it's a new skin, but it's the same. You know, it's you have to acknowledge that it's a lot of the same points. Eh. Come on, Joe, don't don't do this. I mean, in that there's a boy and a girl, and there there there's some sort of breach that the boy crosses. Yeah, to, sure. To explore the new type of world, to see that there's more to the world than you know what he's been led to believe inside the Dow Castle, <laughs> right? Yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, sure. look, it's pretty similar, and you get these things a lot. But I, that's not to say that this isn't a special book. I mean, it's the characters. I'm, look, I'm not trying to say, oh, it's the same as Secret of Kells. Like, it's just. Like it's similar to a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I find that insulting as someone. Yeah, who I know. Doesn't like secret that way. However, comma, <laughs> it's not necessarily what I'm trying to say. You know, mm. The characters here are really cool, and the art and the setting, and like I think this book does a good job of paying, paying special attention to like certain details to make it more interesting. Like, like you said, like his dad is definitely. Like, that's not the main conflict. Like, that would be pretty boring if his dad was like, don't go out, and he goes out anyways. Like, there's mm-hmm. a in this book where his dad sort of, pretty, it seems like, pretty much knows that he's going out. And he's like, wherever yeah. you're going, little son, you know, be safe. And, um, you know, there's mm-hmm. other points where his dad, like, he's like, oh, I don't want you to go alone, but I'll go with you, like, when I have time, but he's just always busy. Like, that's a total yeah. spin on it. And, like, I think it's way better to read because it's just, like, less boring. Mm-hmm. His dad is also like he walks this really cool line between like sympathetic and and kind of ignorant. Um, th- there's a part where um, that's actually pretty focal, um, where he comes up to uh, with sort of a solution for a lot of the problems that are plaguing the city, um, and he comes up with this idea of a council um, for the city. Um, and the thing about it is that as he um, or at least it's implied uh, that as he sort of conceptualizes this council, it's not going to include the named, who are the city's native people. Um, so, like, he has these very good intentions, uh, but it's still difficult for him to, like, sort of see outside of his own position. And I like that because it's realistic, um, but it doesn't, like, make him, uh, you know, good or bad. It, 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 Like, he's trying to do a good thing. He's just sort of ignorant about it, which is cool because I don't think you often see, like, that specific mixture in fiction yeah um another thing sort of similar uh was when what's his name the master of all blades the, you know the king of the, uh yeah the the champion of all, of uh whatever general of all blades i think you know i think in the more uh, uh basic boy package of uh you know the the, the beats in the story you would have him as the ultimate villain so mm-hmm. the, the guy the fire ranger you know at least at first opposed to change and opposed to the poor people or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in this book, actually Kaidu and also his friend. What's Rat. His name? Rat. Oh yeah. How can I forget? <laughs> Crap. <laughs> well, they go and they meet him uh, in sort of a situation where they're sneaking around. Um, and when he meets them, instead of being like, wow, oh, what are you doing here? Or like, ah, oh, a rat can't be friends with a, with a, with a rich boy, you know, instead of anything like that, he's yeah. like, well, um, you know, I, are you guys friends? Like, I'm just interested if you guys are friends. Um, and then rats like, well, you killed my parents. I hate you. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm sorry about that. What could I do? Um, <laughs> like, she's like, why don't you just like leave and stop occupying this place? And then I like the way he explains that where it's like, if I left, the other empires would come in and conquer. And like, I, you know, it seems 
in a way. Which is like, you know, both self-serving, but also true. Yeah. You know? It seems like, I don't know, like in that scene, like they didn't spell that out, but it seemed like Rat and him sort of wanted the same thing in different, like mm-hmm. instability in the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just... Because he does, he does eventually sort of come around to just fully instituting a council. And we don't know, obviously we haven't read the, the next few books, so we don't know how that turns out. I'm sure there will be problems that come up. Could be. Uh, or <laughs> good politics for two more books. <laughs> that would be funny too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the great things about this, um, this book uh, is that I just want to spend more time with the characters. Uh, they're so delightful and endearing. Uh, that I, I I would genuinely just be down to read a, a hangout comic about these two, um, in sort of the same vein as Runaways, uh, like we talked about last week. Although that arc was uh, very much different from the normal hangout stuff they do, yeah. uh, but I'd totally be down to just read about Kaido and Rat just hanging out and learning about each other. Yeah, I mean they start them off as pretty, you know, package. Like he's just sort of the the guy. Mm-hmm. Sort of the, the cool girl, but there's definitely little moments I like, and I think that they just come across really charming. And I, yeah, I'm sort of interested to see where it goes. But for now, I'm not. I definitely, I don't think I would read a hangout comic just yet. I'm not with you there. Okay, but I loved following them through this adventure. Yeah, um, there's um, there's so many great faces. I'm I'm flipping through it now. There's a there's a part where um, they're like at a party. Um, and it's like sort of implied, I guess, that he has a crush on her. Um, yeah, he's got and like, her. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he just makes like this adorable face. <laughs> it's like this this huge yeah, grin. Face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just found that to be incredibly endearing. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that scene. That was good. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Good colors. Some yeah. good colors in this book. Oh uh, yeah, that that's Jordi Belair. Um, she's great, also. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it's good. It's a good book if you like comics. It's nice to look at if you just like to look at nice things. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. To- I would I would recommend it though. I I can't wait to read the next couple books. Hey, how do you feel about Amulet? Uh, I have never read Amulet. Wow. I mean, I've read. I know, do you do you not like it? I don't know. I guess I think I don't like it, but that was a long time ago, you know? Okay, okay. I've definitely met someone who doesn't like Amulet. I think that I was me. I was an angry young boy. I <laughs> I just, there's just like a really on the nose, like Zuko ripoff. And like, I don't mm. think that. Um, and I was like, this is well, stupid. Uh, I have no official statement to make on Amulet. <laughs> he's an elf prince with a scar on his eye and he's angry. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> not even doing elf prince. He's clearly going to get in a redemption arc too. Not that I actually read that, but. I was just like, like, ten like I'm eight years old and I can tell this is Zuko. Like, come on, get yourself together. <laughs> Something that I think, um, you know, uh, Nameless City does really well, uh, which I think is why Faith Aaron Hicks got the job, uh, is that it replicates an Avatar vibe uh, without being much of anything like Avatar, uh, which is just really fun uh, and really cool. Yeah. The only real thing is that the guy looks like Sokka, but. That goes sort of. away really quickly because he stops acting like Sokka in any way. I don't think he's he's much like Sokka at all. Uh, no, he's yeah, not. Like, he, just he, like he does obviously sort of look like him. Yeah, that's what uh, I just said. But mainly because he's wearing blue. 
blue and he's got a ponytail and he's like the same color. Like he's Sokka. Yeah. What are you going to do? Sure. <laughs> That's what but happens when he's not Sokka in the book. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the Nameless City. Uh, heavily recommend. Um, I mediocrely recommend. Medium recommend. Joe's recommending and he's like pushing you off the cliff and I'm like standing nearby looking over his shoulder. I'm into it. I'm into pushing you off this cliff. <laughs> uh, I think we should do the thing that we do every week. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, the thing. We don't even... We, who needs to even say the thing that we do every week? Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that we do every week, which is talking about uh, old PBS kids shows. Oh, cool. <laughs> Um, Welcome to we, my home, Nick. Can we just talk about old PBS kids shows? Is that what's going on? Well, I have a bit. I have a bit more of a pitch here. All right, pitch it. Uh, which is that I've I've done a bit of research, um, sort of into my my foggy memories of PBS kids shows, and I found that a lot of these are actually quite good, um, just entertaining pieces of television. Wait, are you, are you uh, trying to say that you watched these shows? I watched like clips of Word Girl. <laughs> Oh, I didn't like World Girl. World, World. Oh, you didn't? Did you hear me just say Word Girl wrong? I did. What I got for not watching Word Girl. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I didn't like it that much. Oh wow! I um, had I... such high expectations for like superhero stuff to happen, and never did. Mm, it is a show for seven-year-olds. And then I always had high expectations for like the game show bit after, and I was not right. satisfied. I have I have no memories of the game show bit because I didn't rewatch any of that uh, when I was doing my little uh, experiment. Was a game show bit after, and there was like a little game show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah, spelling on Word Girl. I was like, it's not that much spelling, or maybe there was too much spelling. I definitely. I don't think there wasn't any spelling. There was definitions of words. Um, mm, I don't know what I'm talking. My about. thing about Word Girl is that I think it's a really funny show. Um, you know, I I think it is educational um, in a, a good way for kids and also handles, I think, the subject matter with an appropriate amount of, of, of levity since you can't really do serious storytelling on a PBS Kids cartoon. Um, Not with that attitude. Uh, there's a part uh, in one of the clips I watched uh, where, like, one of her friends, uh, because one of the main gimmicks is that she has a secret identity. Um, one of her friends finds out or almost finds out that she is word girl and she's in like a word definition competition at school. Um, and she's in the final round and to prove to her friend that she is not word girl. She has to intentionally <laughs> define a word wrong. That's insane. What if the kid <laughs> got the wrong definition? <laughs> what a big risk they took. What <laughs> the word? You want to see if I know it? I probably don't. Oh, the word was perfect. That was the joke. Oh, that it was an easy word. That's a very easy word. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um. Anyway, I just I just found that humorous. Um. Uh, yeah. No, no. I love humor. Mm. Humor is my is very good. Sure. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. So I I I recommend that show. Uh, to to anyone who is five. <laughs> Or people who are not five. <laughs> uh, 
to all those to all those babies. Right. We all those babies that have been listening this whole time. We finally are recommending things for you. Oh, uh, we are we are you know getting Dude, those babies. They're gonna they're gonna stay home where they are, and they're gonna go watch Ex Machina. <laughs> Oh, Nick. <laughs> Nick Protopopis, we are getting very close to ripping off uh, My Brother, My Brother, and Me Bit. Well, the babies are going to go watch Ex Machina because I told them to. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go watch Breaking Bad because you told them to. Right. <laughs> and they're going to just a generation of children that have been treated to just some drastically inappropriate media. And then they're going to go watch uh, Word Girl, and it's not going to be good enough for them. Right. I, w- I will say that Breaking Bad is of a higher standard of quality than Word Girl. <laughs> That's true. I support Joe. We can agree on this. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, what's next? Curious George? Can we talk about Curious George? Uh, I think we should talk about Curious George. I think Curious George is a great show. I was always My story is that I was always angry as a kid because the continuity didn't really match up with the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think probably... I was upset about this too. That's upsetting. That's an upsetting thing. Um, but overall, Curious George is a cool show, and like a lot of our, probably you, and probably a lot of our friends, got to uh, be on like the little after show with the real kids. I think I, I almost definitely was. Yeah. Um, a lot of PBS Kids programming was um filmed uh in the Greater Boston area because WGBH is is based in Boston. Um, we had a we had a teacher in high school that uh, used to be a producer on fetch with rough Ruffman. uh so there's some fun trivia for you um some fun joe bortner trivia is that the curious george movie was actually the first movie i ever saw in a movie theater wow oh, movie theaters that's insane <laughs> yeah that's a good one though i like that one that's the one where at the end we want to i remember really enjoying it um it had the jack johnson song right yeah 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 or i guess a lot of his music is in those curious george movies um yeah curious george is a good one i um i think i i like the ones where he goes on wacky adventures like mm-hmm. not just like to the store but like swings on buses and stuff those are my favorite sure i think that's more movie territory than it is in the show I mean, there's one where he goes on the bus at least okay i mean i like the ones where he goes to like the country house and like hangs out with that other kid I thought that was cool. And I like the way they switched off sets like that. I thought that's actually a pretty cool thing that they had like the city set with like different set of characters and like every once in a while he would go to the country house and like hang out with like Billy, I think. <laughs> I like that dynamic. I think more shows should do that. Isn't that cool? I I don't have any recollection of like this second set of characters, but I, I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that you remember it. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And uh, I like that he doesn't talk, but he's the main character. It's pretty wild. Everyone <laughs> else talks. Nick, you've got a wise quote for us? Oh, oh, absolutely. I have a wise quote for you. Uh, this one's from Seven Samurai. Nice. Um, whatever your burden may be, talking can ease it. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture broadcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com where you could send us listener questions if you so choose. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. Nick has no Twitter handle. You could read my webcomic Aeronaut at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing remote. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help the show.
like me on the um you know voice messaging things you know when you call like an institution or something like a business mm-hmm. you know this new thing where you like say the thing out loud to the to the voicemail and it like changes what's going on you know what i'm talking about I I have no idea what you're talking about. Once you know, usually it's like press one for talking to a real human. Press two if you have a business question. Press three, you know, like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, instead of that, they're like, say this if you want this, and you you talk into your phone. Huh. Yeah, it's weird. I had no idea. Triple I had one. no idea that existed. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it was uh, it was the DMV at one point when I called. Mm-hmm. Uh, bop, 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 bop. Well, anyways, 